Check the Tape. My name is Aria Atari, and we are recording this podcast early Sunday, June 23rd. Today, we're going to be talking about the NBA draft. So it happened a couple days ago, and it's a little bit more of a, I don't know, we're a couple days away from the draft, so we can look at it a little different from an immediate reaction perspective. I'm not somebody I would call a draft guru or anything who watches all of these hours of college basketball and then ranks these prospects and knows who's the best, who's the not, who's not. I have a more, I look at these guys from an NBA perspective, what they're going to mean to these teams, these teams' history in the draft, whether they're, you can trust these teams making decisions in the draft and whether or not um, they've had a good history. So I don't know, I guess I can get right into it and I don't even know if I did a good job explaining that, but Once you listen to the podcast, maybe what I said will make some sense. Hopefully, if not, I'm sorry. Um, Free agency will be in a week, and I promise I like free agency more and can do much more on that. But I can still do a good bit on the draft. So let's start at the top, I guess, with Zion and New Orleans, and they're the biggest story, obviously. So, yes, they drafted Zion, can't miss prospect. He's going to be the face of the franchise. They're going to build around him. We already knew all of this coming in, though. Um, and they had the number four pick, which they got from the Anthony Davis trade, along with Lonzo Ingram and amongst other things. But the big thing they did Thursday, was it Thursday night? Yeah. So they traded the number four pick in the draft to the Hawks. And in return, they got the number eight pick. They also got the number 17th pick. And they used the eighth pick on Jackson Hayes, the number 17th pick on... Nikel Alexander-Walker, then they got the number 35th pick, second rounder, which they used on Marcos Silva, I can't pronounce the middle name, Luzada, Marcos Luzada-Silva, yeah, second rounder, and the Hawks, yeah, moved up to four, got the number 57 pick from New Orleans, a future second rounder, and had to take back the Solomon Hill contract, so they moved back, and they just accumulated more assets, more picks, and everybody is you know, so high on David Griffin right now for the job he's been doing. To me, like, yeah, it's nice that they got Jackson Hayes, because when you looked at this draft, it seemed like everybody was kind of dead set on the top three. After that, it's not anything set in stone. You can move number eight could actually be four, four could be seven, whatever. Jackson Hayes, they get the center, and now they kind of have their starting five of Lonzo, Holiday, Ingram, Zion, and Hayes gives them a rim-running center and someone who could play alongside Zion. Anthony Davis would have probably been the perfect center to play alongside Zion at the four, but whatever, they traded him. Didn't have much of a choice. He was going to leave anyways. So they're set up pretty well. My biggest thing with them is this trade, we have to see if like one of these guys become an all-star that they get. And, you know, they have a lot of those Lakers picks way out in the future. And maybe those, they get an all-star through that. But like Lonzo, Ingram, Hayes, are any of these guys all-star talent? And when you're trading all-star, like, superstar talent like Davis, if you want to say you're getting some sort of equivalent value in return, you have to get all-star talent back. I've seen people saying, oh, well, the Kawhi trade, look what they got in terms of what Kawhi got. Completely different circumstances. Number one, Kawhi was coming off an injury. Number two, the Lakers probably would have had to give a similar package for Kawhi. Maybe a little less, but now they had a desperation to get Davis because there were just no other stars. At least with Kawhi, they could have said, oh, well, we can get this. We could get Davis. We could get... Uh, this guy in a year, blah, blah, blah. With Davis, it was like, you, we have to get him because we're not getting anyone else. And I'm doing a lot of the Anthony Davis trade here. But they had uh, 
more desperation to get him. Also, they kind of thought Kawhi was going to just come to them in a year. I think that was part of it because he was dead set on LA apparently. And so they probably thought, oh, we could just get him in a year. With the Davis thing, it was like, yeah, but we should still go get him because we don't want to waste another year of LeBron's prime. Okay, just did a whole bunch on Davis. The point I'm trying to make is that the Kawhi trade, there was the injury and he went to a team that there was no assurances that he'd re-sign with. That's why the haul for Davis was a lot more than Kawhi's. Anyways, with New Orleans, everybody's really excited and they're saying that this could be a playoff team right off the bat. I'm not sure. I mean, I'm looking at these Western Conference teams. Golden State, even without Clay for a good portion of the year, assuming he does resign, which I think most people would assume he will, and let's say Durant's gone. I mean, he'll be gone either way, whether it's rehabbing for the injury or he just goes somewhere else. I still think Steph, top five player in the league, Draymond, you can just get a seven or eight seed based off pedigree. Denver, I think everyone believes they'll make it again. I see no reason why they won it with Jamal Murray ascending. Portland, I'd see them in there again. Houston, I could see them falling out given all their little like internal troubles, but Harden's too talented of a player for them to not make it, I believe. Utah, after the Conley trade, I think they're going to get in. Oklahoma City, I mean, Westbrook and Paul George are at least two top 15 players, so you think they're getting in. San Antonio's the one we can just boot out of there, but then again, you don't want to boot out San Antonio given all their years of success, but Duncan and Kawhi aren't there anymore, so I'm going to say they're out. And then the Clippers, we don't know if they're getting Kawhi or not. So right now, let's say they're out. We're going to put the Lakers in, obviously, with LeBron and AD. That's seven. Who's getting that eighth spot? Is it Sacramento, who almost got it this year? I mean, if it's the Kawhi Clippers, then yeah, lock that in. Could it be Dallas with Doncic and Porzingis? Would they need another year? Minnesota? Towns? Is he elevating? I mean, imagine him like trying to force his way out in a couple years if they don't get in the playoffs. I don't see how New Orleans really gets in that first year, like a lot of people have been saying. So, did a lot of New Orleans, let's move on. Memphis got John Morant, pair him with Jaron Jackson Jr., traded Conley. Wasn't a big fan of the Conley trade. Didn't think they got anything really that good in return. I mean, they got these late first-round picks, which I don't know what you're going to get out of that. Maybe you hit a gem, like they did hit with Mitchell, but that he wasn't a late first-rounder. He was mid Jay Crowder and Kyle Korver, guys who I feel like have been in the league for 15, 20 years. No, I mean, Korver's been in a longer time than Crowder, but it's like, you're not, I know I'm getting with these guys. It's not anything special. Grayson Allen, nothing special there. So I don't, I don't really know what Memphis is getting out of this. That's so enticing. Utah side though, I really like it because you get Conley, pair him with Donovan Mitchell. That's a good backcourt. Yeah, they wanted to get Conley for a while to have a point guard to go alongside Mitchell. Um, but I do like the core of John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. for Memphis. R.J. Barrett third, the last of the, we already knew what was going to go down. Yeah, I mean, this was, he's super talented. I just feel like he's not that great of a playmaker. I think he just goes one on five a lot like he did in Duke. And maybe some of that's Coach K's fault. Maybe he will look to pass more in the league. I don't think he's like somebody who you wouldn't want as your point guard. Like, like Giannis is somebody who you want to have the ball, right? I don't know if R.J. Barrett is somebody who's like that or going to be like that. I don't know if he'll ever get to that level. Yeah, but keep going with R.J. Barrett. I mean, it's kind of funny how the Knicks, not funny, but eh, maybe depending on your perspective. They thought they were going to get Zion, Durant, Davis, Kyrie, some combination of that. They might get none of those guys. And if they do get Durant, I mean, unfortunately for him and the league in general, he just won't be playing next year. 
keeping on with R.J. Barrett, which I think I said earlier, but okay, now I mean it. Keeping on with R.J. Barrett. I, I don't know if he's some of that trouble he had in college when he went one on five. Was Coach K, whether it was him. We'll see if he looks to pass more. Maybe it'll be good for him to be around other NBA players, which unfortunately, like the Knicks are the worst team for him to go in that case because he might actually just do the one on five thing because they don't have anybody else that's good. We shall see what happens with him. I have my doubts. I'm, I'm not a big RJ Barrett guy. So then the Hawks at four take DeAndre Hunter. They also take Cam Reddish at 10. I already mentioned the trade up that they did with New Orleans. One thing I've noticed with the Hawks is. Everybody's like, oh, they have Reddish, Hunter, Collins, Herder, Trey Young. This team is the new Thunder. They're going to make the playoffs. They're going to uh, just gradually climb up, and then they're going to be the best team in the East, and Trey Young's going to be Steph Curry East. Slow down. Why are we always so sure that these teams are just going to go on this trajectory of constant elevation and not a single step back? We look at Boston, right? They were supposed to just go on this upward trajectory, and then this season happened. We look at Minnesota made the playoffs that one year, and they were a three seed before Jimmy Butler got hurt, and he forces his way out. Thibodeau's a disaster at head coach, and they don't make it the next year. Maybe they'll make it this year, but I just said that loaded Western Conference playoff slate doesn't seem that likely. So with the Hawks, you know, is there anybody on that team that you think's like a bona fide for sure all-star? Collins? I'm not sure. Herder? Not sure. I think Trey Young's the one who has the best chance, right? You're pretty much putting all your eggs in the Trey Young basket, and I'm not 100% sure he's an all-star. I'd say out of like players on their rookie contracts, the only ones that I am 100% sure that they're going to be all-stars are Donovan Mitchell, Ben Simmons, it's already been one, Doncic, and now Zion. I think that's the only four you could say. Moving on, moving on. I'll lump Cleveland and Minnesota together. Minnesota trades up, and I'm going to get to the Phoenix aspect, who they traded up with. They traded from 11 to 6 and gave up Dario Saric. Cleveland takes Garland. We'll see how that goes with Colin Sexton. I'm just not a big Colin Sexton fan. In the Minnesota, okay, you get the good perimeter player in Culver. They needed that. I mean, they lost Jimmy Butler. They lost Wiggins, even though he's still on the team. <laughs> I read that they were actually trading up to hopefully get Garland instead. And Culver is has this shaky jump shot, which this team actually needs more shooting. I'm already on the countdown of when Towns is going to declare his trade. I know he just signed the new deal, and I think he's like in year one of the new deal coming up, but give, give it two or three years, Towns is going to declare a trade. I'm fairly confident in that. Okay, number seven, Kobe White. Good for the Bulls, getting a point guard. Dunn's going to be a backup now. Levine, Markinen, Wendell Carter. Nice core. I mean, who? where's the all-star coming in that? It's not Levine. Levine, I think, is just a guy who's going to put up big numbers on a bad team. I think you're hoping that it's going to be Kobe White. Maybe it will be. He's fast. He's from North Carolina, like Jordan was with the Bulls. No, I'm kidding. I mean, I saw it. that joke was overused. Kobe White is probably your best asset if you're Chicago. I like him. I don't think that makes me too confident in the franchise. If the best player is the guy you just drafted at seven. Anyways, number eight. That was the, I talked about it with New Orleans. Number nine, Rui Hachimara. I read people say the Wizards took the worst Gonzaga player. Brandon Clark was better, and apparently they never talked to Rui Hachimara. There was any communication. They just took him. So that's always great with Washington, and you're drafting without a general manager. That's always a always a good sign for your franchise. Clark ends up going to Memphis, though, which really good for that core because I already said how much I liked Morant and Jackson Jr. together. 
Now let's talk about the Phoenix side. I'm not going to do every pick. Just as I go through it, I can say a little bit on each team. And we're almost done anyways. So, yeah, the Phoenix side. So they traded a pick and TJ Warren to get rid of... Yeah, a pick to get rid of TJ Warren to Indiana, who seems like they're not interested in bringing back Bogdanovich or Thad Young. Seems like they want to sign Rubio, according to a bunch of stuff I saw on Twitter. Which would be a nice point guard, I guess, for them. But anyways, TJ Warren, he's a decent player. I don't think he's bad or anything. So you're giving up an asset to get rid of him. I mean, Phoenix, you had all these swingmen, and you never needed TJ Warren with all the swingmen that you had. But, you know, you're giving up an asset to get rid of him. That's a little that's a little much, I feel like. Then you trade down, and you get Sarge in return, which is, okay, he's a good piece. He's, I'm not crazy about him. I mean, the player you have to be trading down, you're probably like, oh, you know, we'll get this nice piece, we'll get the same guy. But then they take Cam Johnson, who's this guy people didn't know, like, very few people had in the lottery. Did anyone have him in the lottery? I think he was lower first round, late 20s, and you take him at 11 in the lottery? What are you doing, Phoenix? They talk about his injury prone, how he's old, he's already older than Devin Booker. I don't get this. I mean, you know... Kobe White seemed excited for him and was happy that he went 11 and talked very highly of him, which is great, but it, it seemed like a real big reach, and there was this talk about, like, I don't know, the Suns vice president or something had this connection and always liked Cam Johnson. Whatever, man. I am just dumbfounded by the Suns. I think they might be one of the worst-ran franchises in the league. Maybe they're the worst, honestly. I mean, the Knicks are still up there. I don't know, Cam Johnson. Nobody thought he was going to go this high, so... It's weird that he went this high, and the Suns are making bad moves. And then they take the Aaron Baines contract to get Ty Jerome. Okay, people like Ty Jerome. He was on that national championship team in Virginia. But, you know, you're taking back the Baines contract, and if you were trying to clear up cap room by getting rid of TJ Warren, well, now you're just taking cap room, cap space back? I mean, don't know what else I have. Oh, I was going to do the Celtics thing. I just hated their draft. They took a bunch of... Romeo Langford, this is a guy who... Shot 27% from three. There's been talks about injuries with him. They say, oh, he's a high-ceiling guy. I don't know what to think about Romeo Langford. And they got Grant Williams. Seems like an undersized four. What are you going to do, pair him and Rob Williams together? I, I don't know what's going on here. Took some guys in the second round to the kid from uh, Purdue. What's his name? Oh, Carson Edwards. That's right. They took him. I don't know. I wasn't that impressed with this draft by the Celtics. It seemed like they didn't take anybody to get excited about. I mean, it's not like they were picking high, but I just wanted to, like, I really wanted them to package all these picks and move up. We didn't need more rookies, more young players. I mean, we still have, like, Ojale, Yabuselli, and, and Rob Williams, who I just mentioned. And now we're taking all these guys, too. It seems like we don't need all of them. But what do I know? Danny knows more than me, or does he? No, I'm just kidding. Danny's come under fire recently, but I don't think he could have foreseen this Kyrie situation playing out like it did. Not the point. Yeah, so with the Celtics, they just took a bunch of guys who it's hard to get excited about, and hard to get excited about more rookies. It would have been nice for them to trade up. At least if they traded up. Like, yeah, you're getting a rookie, but it's like, okay, it's one guy. He has a higher probability of success than some of these other guys you get excited for that so 
I don't know. And then they traded, they got that uh, Milwaukee first rounder next year. So they're going to have potentially three first rounders again next year with their own pick, that Milwaukee one, and the Memphis one if it's not top six. But I would think it is going to be in the top six because I listed all those West teams. Memphis is not going to make the playoffs next year in all likelihood. So I think that is about everything I had on the draft. Uh, Bull Bull, I mean, this guy was supposed to be a late not a late first rounder, like a late lottery guy or top five. He was top five, like before the injury, but he was, some people were saying he would be a late lottery pick and he goes in the second round and Denver's trying to do a Michael Porter Jr. 2.0. Yeah, I think that's about it. Anyways, thanks for listening. Those are my draft thoughts. Just wanted to give some quick draft thoughts and yeah, I mean, that was really it, and we're I'll probably have another podcast before free agency and one after free agency, just to give some thoughts there, and that's going to be probably the most exciting part of the NBA summer, so thanks for listening again. Talk to you soon.